Welcome back to Through Shame with your host Jonathan Reeves and and I'm Gabriel Boyle. Oh, uh, and today we're um, this was an episode that kind of happened accidentally. It was an entire hour conversation that was part of another conversation that we were recording, but I think it really stands alone and explores some interesting topics. Really gets me right in the right in the shame nads. Yeah, no, I think wow. this, is, I think this episode ends up actually being a really great example of how to use opposite action to move through shame. Oh, God. Uh, a lot of that being, rather than hiding, he kind of coming out and uh, talking kind of really explicitly about <laughs> shame and patterns he's in. Um, and I think it's also a good example of the other person, a friend of yours, like trying to help you do that by like asking if they can call you out and kind of asking if you can share more and kind of go through that together. Yeah. So I think this is a really great example of the very idea of moving through shame. Yeah. Um, so there's some broader context to actually understand what the hell we're talking about. We also make a couple references throughout the episode, but we'll pop in and actually try to contextualize those as they come. Uh, but basically this conversation was about kind of, kind of a new facet of the patriarchy where men are becoming more emotional, but they're kind of wielding it in a problematic way. Um, and so one of the things that we were talking about is when men kind of emotionally dump on their significant others. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was reflecting on how I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't really recognize that in myself. Um, <laughs> to which I then said, yeah, of course you do the exact opposite. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, and we get more into it, but essentially we talk about, you know, on one end we see men trauma dumping and we see men, um, you know, not dealing with the emotions they have, not wanting to look inside, but then making it everyone else's problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the other end, we can see this pattern of men restricting their emotionality so much uh, that it actually gets in the way of connection. And so even men who you would look at and say, oh, these men are ostensibly pretty connected to people around them, still noticing ways in which uh, we don't let people in, we don't aren't fully vulnerable, um, and ways in which we even misunderstand uh, what that vulnerability even looks like when someone's asking for it okay you didn't have to use my name specifically oh, that was sorry. that was yeah. pretty cruel you didn't I mean, have to just like yeah i mean honestly call people, me specifically people are gonna say, i mean like it's kind of one of those things where like i gave all the stats but your name yeah and it's like you yeah know, like, like yeah like, you know honestly like you know felt kind of grimy you could have just <laughs> like <laughs> yeah um sorry it makes you think but about I, in grad school sometimes they do this grad student survey and like uh, for a few years, people made the mistake of putting your area, year, race, and <laughs> your sex on there, and me as the only black man yeah. in the clinical science like, area. Who like, could this be? Hey, could we not do that, please? Like, like I don't yeah, even thought about that. Wow, that, that's exactly. It was like, you're the only oh, black guy. We haven't thought about them. Like you fucking haven't. Th- God damn it. <laughs> How? How? Anyway, let's let her roll, Percival. Percival, let it rip. Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh god! Punch the absolute shit out of my mic. Percival is rebelling. Can I call you out real quick? Yeah. I think it's it's not calling you out for doing that. I, I don't think you let anyone do that. I think you sure. do the opposite. You're the one doing that. Uh, <laughs> like, you're the one who let I dump on you all the time. Like, I ask you. I've been more effective about it. Uh-huh. But our relationship that. is one where you've held so much of my pain over the last two <laughs> years. And you haven't told me. You told me about, like, daily struggles you've had and grad school stuff we've talked through. Uh-huh. But, like, again, we've never talked about the deep emotional pain you felt in the end of your relationship of nine years. I've been so curious about that. Yeah, um, it's just painful. I don't know. Whatever. Right. Right. To me, it's like, 
part of talking about that you pain just, isn't you sit just with pain alone. That's just what you do. <laughs> God, a part of that isn't just like logically talking through what to do. A part of that yeah. is also like you just expressing to me, I'm in pain. Yeah. I'm sad. I'm upset. I'm feeling these feelings, and they're just feelings. Like mm-hmm. you're just supposed to feel them. There's no. You don't need to do something about them. You don't need to solve them. You just feel them. So I would say so that you like, feel them alone. <laughs> Not other people, but just me. <laughs> you, like, I understand when other people are like, ah, oh, I just have these feelings, but... And you're just like, oh, I don't have those. Oh, I have those. Hmm. I have those, yeah, I'm going to go process those later. By process, I mean solve them. I won't have them anymore. Mm-hmm. It makes me think, Well, you actually, just, like, experience them. I don't know. I struggle with this so much because I know that this is, like, not an adaptive way. Mm-hmm. Like, but I just don't... It's just part of the fairy tale for me. All right, here's the first piece of context we need. The fairy tale refers to... I have forgotten. The fairy tale refers to. <laughs> I really thought I was going to remember by the time I finished that sentence. I actually now forgot too. The fairy tale is kind of like the. Um, you're told that this, that this idea exists, right? This this version of love exists, and you're like, that sounds like a fairy tale. That doesn't sound real. Like I know, I know logically it must be real, but emotionally, I've never experienced that before, and I don't know what the fuck you are actually right, right. talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, you know, uh, Gabe will talk about it, his experience of this, but we first brought this up in the idea of like, say you're in the dating world, and like, for me, I was having a hard time, and I was only kind of having casual relationships, and I was being told that like, oh no, there's this like, love you're going to feel when you meet someone, connect with them, have the hard conversations, and build together, and for me, I was like, the love that people are describing, that narrative and the love people are describing at the end sounds like a fairy tale yeah. relative to the love that I experienced so far. Okay, Percival, re- resume. Percival, resume. No breaks. Mm-hmm. This is exactly this is exactly it. This is an example where I see people say processing emotions with other people makes them easier, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, less painful to deal with, I guess. But I just, like, I have such a hard time believing that that's true. Well, you know, I think, well, one, just quick, weird, quick, quick. Um, Emotionally believing that it's true. Logically. No, totally, totally, totally. Yeah. I just want to say quit nitpick psychology. Processing is so frustrating. Uh, yeah. We're not computers. We're people. Right, right. right. <laughs> so processing not, not, is not, like. Not blaming you. Just like it's. No, I totally. I, that's an important point. Because, like, I also, that's also a point of confusion for me where I'm like, what does it mean to process the emotion? It involves Feeling the emotion mm-hmm. in a, I guess, non-judgmental way, but maybe it can. It can be, even be judgmental. It can even be judgmental. It's just notice what the judgments take you and what else they bring up. Because when so, I think about when I think about you struggling to do that with yeah. people, it's like imagine crying in front of me right now. What would you feel? That's uh, shame. Yeah, yeah. So another emotion comes up that gets in the way. Shame, yeah. and it makes you hide. Yeah, so it you does. Do it. Yeah, it does. <laughs> That's to me what it is. It's like yeah. And then I don't see the point, like what... Because you haven't gotten past the shame. I've never tried. Basically, you sound like me saying, like, I'm really anxious about going out with this girl. What do I do? What do I do? And you're like, you kind of just have to do it. And the anxiety will go away. And I'm like, oh, I know that, but I'm going to sit in the anxiety and stew a little longer. Yeah. It's the same thing for you. And I guess, like, I can't imagine what it would feel like to feel hard emotions with someone else. So it doesn't seem like the word the shame is worth even like the shame is quite aversive. And I also don't have a sense at all of what moving into that shame would what reward I would get for doing that. Probably feeling better. I can't imagine 
Also, I can't do that behavioral experiment. In I can't do that like you thought experiment. Yeah, you probably shouldn't. It's you're, like you're basically trying to. Solve I don't do anything puzzle. without doing the thought experiment first. <laughs> and that might be a thing to stop doing or try to do. Like <laughs> I, I mean, this how, is the how thing. could I? Did you just sort of walking through life just? And this is also naked. You got no armor on. I think when you're thinking through it, you just think you have armor on. But mm. you're like, or at least you feel like you have armor on, but you haven't even stepped on the battlefield. You're just like thinking <laughs> through like, okay, okay, if they have archers, right. I'm going to do this, 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 this. Yeah. And you've just sat and the battle has not happened or it's happened already. Um, but just to say, in terms of what you would get from it, I think it, you're right. I think it probably for you feels like a fairy tale in the same way when I think about things that I'm stuck in shame around or stuck in anxiety around the reward seems like a fairy tale, mm -hmm. but I would guess for that. It's like, so connecting this with your current partner. Mm -hmm. It sounds like I know this about you for us too, where because you have this cycle of allowing other people to share their stuff with you, but you share less, you get overwhelmed more easily, mm -hmm. you get tired out more easily, mm -hmm. you get overwhelmed by just being around people more easily. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we sometimes can feel disconnected from you or like you're a little robotic because mm -hmm. we're just like, oh, fuck, I was just like crying. Yeah. And you're just like... You're okay. I'm like, have you ever cried? And you're like, nope. Never. I don't do that. I don't do that. That program was removed. <laughs> it's like, oh, cool. Or I think we talked about, um, you mentioned your partner at one point, you were talking about like potentially being misaligned on something. And like, I asked you how you felt because I genuinely was like, does that bother you? Like, I assume <laughs> it does, but you were so well controlled and regulated oh. that I have to guess. Like, I don't know. Oh, man. Versus me, I would have been like, ah. Like, oh, internally yeah. I was. I don't even know specifically like the circumstance that you're talking about, but I can just tell you that like, mm -hmm. oh, absolutely I was. <laughs> I don't think Panicked. me or her would guess that. And yeah. I think that breeds disconnection. It, it does. It breeds fear of you. And, and it breeds us judging ourselves because, and that's on us partially. And it creates an environment where judgment is just likely to happen. I think it also breeds just miscommunication mm -hmm. where... I don't have the emotional, I'm sequestering the emotional response. Um, and that can come across as like, oh, he doesn't care. Mm -hmm. Or whatever. I know it's a blank slate, so it can be filled with a, whatever message is strongest. In, but I think part. it's often he doesn't care. Yeah, I, totally. Not even just you. Use myself as an example. Again, this same ex, uh, at one point during a messy kind of open situationship, she started seeing a friend of mine. And when we talked about it, we had this conversation, and it was a weird like breakup period we were in. And when we talked about it, she was like, I just thought you didn't care. Because mm -hmm. when I brought up essentially seeing that person, you were like, oh, that's okay. And for me, what I was saying is, and also I think I didn't fully have insight so it's not like i knew fully uh how i actually felt about it so there's that piece too mm -hmm. but i was in this place of if we're doing this that's fine that you do this with this other person like i don't feel bothered by that at all versus when we weren't together it did bother me mm -hmm. and i was like oh no this does bother me and i need to talk to you about it and i remember being really upset when it was all happening but when she said i just thought you didn't care right. i remember being like fuck that's really fair yeah and like it makes sense that you don't understand how i feel about this or feel about you or have that context because it's all in my head mm -hmm. and i'm otherwise like pretty just um calm and chill about the whole situation mm. um so i think it breeds miscommunication disconnection and people just like very reasonably not knowing how you feel mm -hmm. yeah i mean what that makes me think of 
is that I just, I share the end product. Mm -hmm. I share, and this is where it's kind of insidious, mm -hmm. where I feel like I'm disclosed. I feel like I'm sharing my emotions, but I'm, I'm not sharing like along the way. I'm sharing like what was my conclusion. Mm -hmm. And that's where I, when I need, when I'm stuck in the middle, that's when I reach out. When I'm like, how do I get to an end point? Mm -hmm. But it's always the goal of getting to the end point. And it's rarely the vulnerable space of, we'll say processing the emotions mm -hmm. as they are kind of raw, I guess processing the emotions with someone else versus, I guess, and when I think of what I mean by processing the emotions, I mean like, okay, we'll assign meaning and all right, we'll divvy up. Why was I feeling this? Okay, all right. What do I do? What do I want to do in response? There we go. This is it's, the problem with fucking intellectual motherfuckers. I know. I know. I you know. just describe intellectualization yeah. and emotional avoidance. And, I, and I've, yeah. I've never known anything different. Exactly. That's and, what I and think you of avoid when I think anything of, different. Like, yeah. Because there is another path that we've talked about multiple times. Is you're like, why would I do that? Like, you have an emotional, strong, anxious, maybe a little angry, and shame reaction to why would I do that? Yeah. Because you just described. Don't forget disgust. Topic of discuss absolutely because what you've described is well I'll intellectually think through it if uh -huh. I get stuck I'll ask for help yeah like a student asking a teacher yeah uh, and then I'll get to the end because you don't want to waste your teacher's product. time right I'll get to the end product and show you the end product and that's problematic. It also relates to stuff you've talked about in grad school, where people just say like, "Hey, this is a good paper," but they don't show you how yeah. to get to the endpoint you want, and that yeah. causes so much distress. I hate it. Mm -hmm. it, and, it. It inhibits my learning, and that's exactly what you're doing yeah. to other people and to yourself, yeah. because you're stopping yourself from saying, "Oh, well, why don't I actually learn what it means to just." be emotional and express my emotion here to recognize that it's not always a thing that's thought through and that a really good solution, even if you want to stay in the problem focused space is getting more comfortable using the supports in your life, not just by saying what other tool am I missing, but by crying and getting a hug by cutting a hug. Man, love. comfort is a whole other. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you have to move past the shame, disgust, and anxiety to get the benefit of truly yeah. being comforted. And then, which I guess I just don't believe is possible. It's, it's just like emotionally believe it's possible. Of course you don't. You've never done it. Right. In the same way where you thought you couldn't do anything you do now in grad school yeah. before you learned to do it and went through the difficulty of learning to do it, it's fucking frustrating. <laughs> well, that message hurts, and I hate it. <laughs> Just like okay, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say I'm offended. Actually, yeah, I and think like, uh, um, I, don't know, I think we need to like figure that out. Yeah. That's, <laughs> this is uh, this is I'm actively upset at you right now. Yeah. So just want to yeah. communicate that. It's like oh, you right. wronged me. <laughs> Absolutely, huh. it's well, so. What do hard. I think about that? Mm -hmm. It's it's, and I think to rope this back into our bigger conversation, this is also the opposite of trauma dumping. So. Uh. Not only uh, do you not what is this conversation dump? or what we're talking about? What we're talking about. So not only do you not trauma dump, but people are more likely to trauma dump on you specifically. I will trauma dump on myself through other people. Well, no, you do the opposite of trauma dumping, which is inhibiting oh. altogether. You just don't share. Yeah. Yeah. Which is also problematic. And it makes me think back to the whole like men and um this basic idea of uh i forget the petulant vulnerability yeah so uh petulant vulnerability is this idea we came across in uh the tiktok you mentioned at the beginning so petulant vulnerability is the idea of men i guess 
uh, being vulnerable or sharing private information uh, in a transactional way. So for the sake of private information access. and like emotion, right? Oh yeah, information and emotion. So I guess I'm thinking like emo- like private emotional information. Yeah. Okay. So sharing with people, uh, specifically women, uh, it comes their partners. Usually their part. Well, I don't know if it's usually their partners. Oh. I guess the example they were using was like the soft boy movement. Oh, sure. Yeah. Where yeah. it's like to hit on women. So basically, oh, like, I see. Like sharing this information with them to uh, kind of make them feel guilty and also to kind of get sex from them. So it's this like transactional objectification. And it's also like, oh, I shared this with you. Why are you not having sex with me? Or like, why are you not uh, moving down a specific like relationship escalator thing with me? Right. And um, it's kind of like part of its insidious nature is that it can look pretty similar to actual like emotional openness. Right. So determining, recognizing that it's there and determining what the difference is between like actual vulnerability and transactional vulnerability or petulant vulnerability yeah, which as we say this, like, I want to add this, like, I don't know if it's inherent, but there's a coercive piece to it. Sure, yeah. Where, like, there's an inherently coercive, like, I am doing this to get this from you. And, like, I think the guilting part, like, yeah. she, in the video she mentions this idea of, like, these men using, like, potentially traumatic information they've shared with you sure. to guilt you into doing certain things. Because now you feel bad if you don't. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, All right. That's the idea. And um, this basic idea of, uh, I forget, the petulant vulnerability. Yeah. You're not trauma dumping, but you are problematically limiting your emotional openness, which also affects your relationship with other people, especially women. Yeah. Wait, why especially women? Uh, Because you are in romantic relationships with women, which I just require more emotional connectedness and have more expectations of mutuality, reciprocity than friendships. Friendships also should have that. I love that shit. And like there are needs that your partner gives you that I don't fulfill. Yeah. And those needs, I think, are tied to intimate emotional feelings. Yeah. That just don't show up in friendships that are non-sexual. Yeah. And I think it's important to include that in this because it makes us think about, yes, these men who are actively trauma dumping and engaging in behavior transactionally to get something from women and objectifying them, that's problematic. You are not necessarily in the clear or a good man if you're not doing that. Mm-hmm. You could still be behaving in patriarchal ways mm-hmm. by just hiding, limiting, shrinking your emotion. Because that's exactly what that is. That's a patriarchal tendency mm-hmm. of mine. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of the it's it's you know it feels less bad, but I don't know if I'm allowed to say that if that's correct. It feels less bad, but it feels less harmful. I, I'm not trying to make this a therapy session. Yeah. It reminds me of like just your own like history and your own father and stuff like that. Oh, around, like it's being no a provider. question to me where it comes from. <laughs> it's like you're caring for everyone else and you're not yeah. letting anyone care for you. That's how he had relationships until he was like 59. Mm-hmm. And you're keeping people at arm's length and you're mm-hmm. stopping yourself from feeling a certain closeness, which one, that closeness is probably terrifying. I've like it, heard yeah. about it. Shit sounds terrifying. <laughs> um, but you're keeping it at arm's length and you're limiting the closeness in your relationships and right. the intimacy you and your partner can feel. Yeah. The like the belief that sits with me is like, I can get around it. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I can like I can still have plenty close relationships if I just we'll just work around that. You I, I think it's like you and these and men who engage in these manipulative ways, you can get around Glad it as in you can people. both get access to the highest love you know, which yeah. is still limited. Man, and we just talked about how like the relative, like you can only really know relative to what you've already had. Mm-hmm. 
and that's where I'm at I with my own this. love life. It sucks. Yeah, I hate this. It really sucks. But yeah, that's like I, I think about that with my own love life, where it's like you know I'm someone who struggles to um, move towards and be intimate. There's so much fear and shame there for my mm-hmm. own bringing in just my own life as a black person, and there's just so much fear around being intimate. And it only gives me access to a certain type of love. But mm. you and other people are often encouraging me that, like, no, this is worth it. There's something deeper that mm. I'm trying to approach, trying to get to, but haven't seen yet. And I have to remind myself that the love I've had so far is not all that's out there. Yeah. That's not always enough, frankly. Right. Um, and it's important. Yeah. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Hold on. Wait a minute. Hold on. What do you mean by that? Um, okay. We're going to take a brief pause here. Yeah, just to make a meta comment. So we talk about the idea of sharing raw emotion, and we also talk about the idea of sharing unprocessed emotion. And we kind of frame the first one as positive and the second one as negative. And what I realize is I don't know what the fuck either of those, the difference between those right actually is. Right, and I think the better framing is like, on one hand, there's like, sharing your genuine emotion in a way where people can understand what you're feeling and kind of work through the emotion with you. Mm -hmm. For the latter, the unprocessed emotion, I don't even necessarily think of that as about sharing an emotion as much as it is having things you haven't really processed or thought about that you also actively refuse to, um, but you do inflict harm or just like negative things of others because of it. Yeah. So like, so there's a certain behavioral component of that too, acting on your emotional state and your unprocessed emotions. And sometimes that can be trauma dumping. Yeah. Um, sometimes that can just be like being aggressive in a negative. I was going to say expressing anger in a really ineffective way, not yeah. in a way that actually conveys like, this is how I'm feeling. This is why. And yeah. Or like, this you know, is the I behavior think, of yours that affected me in that way. Right. Exactly. I think about like, and I just thought about my old advisor back at my grad school. Why and how like mean? he would sometimes like just pick fights or be nitpicky at people on days when like he clearly was feeling uh self-conscious about something else entirely in his life sure um and so like it was always like you were very aware it had nothing to do with you but it was something you had to attend to but you couldn't talk about what it was actually about because you would insist it's about something else that you know he doesn't care about because he'll say the next day he doesn't care about it or he'll just forget so that's part of the unprocessed piece because you, you don't if you are processing it and paying attention to yourself you'll realize like wait a minute this is this is bigger than like this little nitpicky thing is bigger than it usually is. And it seems disproportionate. What else is going on? Oh, I'm having a fucking hard day because of this or this fight that I had with my wife this morning or something. Mm-hmm. And um, then you can kind of, yeah. I or like a, maybe a broader <laughs> pattern of like, Oh, I'm worried I'm inadequate. Yeah. And like, I react to that inadequacy by dumping on people who have less power than me. Right. I think for him, that was very clearly like a feeling of being inadequate, a feeling of like not being as revered as you wish to be. Jesus. But would turn it into like, I'm going guy. to nitpick about why you all are bad because you're near me and you should be praising me more. Yeah. But wouldn't say, like, I need more praise. I need Welcome more affection. Welcome to academia. Be, yeah. We'll never say I need more support or praise, but always be like, here's why you all suck. Yeah. And why I'm the only one who's ever contributed to anything here and why you all should be praising me more. <laughs> Gross. Okay. Gross. Oh, the other thought was um, we're talking about getting around it. We're talking about all these different things. We're not talking about what it feels like, what you think about being there. By that, I mean what I think about doing those things and being more open, sharing your emotion in those spaces, sharing some raw emotion that isn't processed or is, I don't know, just sharing your emotion and like trying to solve your problems partially by, hey, I'm having this emotion. I just want to sit in it with you. Are you willing to do that with me? 
the other thing that comes up to me is a fear of like, oh my God, if I'll do that, I'll lose control. Like uh, our whole situation, our whole relationship has become this chaotic thing where we're yeah. just like shooting emotions around and there's no organization. The risk, yeah. well, there's a couple. The first risk that comes up to me is that it feels dangerous. It feels mm-hmm. like I'll, I'll say something, I'll, I'll display an emotion that is not okay to have. Mm, what does that or mean? Or that implies. Uh, what do you mean when you say an emotion that's not okay to have? That kind of just broad sense that it'll get out of hand that it sounds like you're saying it'll make you appear weak like not it, like not strong but like weak uncontrolled hmm. it seems like on that spectrum am i wrong um that's not exactly i think that like that doesn't sound wrong that's mm-hmm. not exactly where i was going with it i guess it was more of a defensiveness against the other person that i'm sharing with that mm-hmm. like if i'm like Oh, that makes me really scared when they share something that they're going to be like, well, what the fuck does that mean? Like, oh, you're not supposed, if you're scared, then you must mean this or something. They make deductions about my emotional state mm-hmm. that, and then I get flooded and then I'm like, I don't know. Is that what it is? I can't even really tell. That's really problematic. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. So it's a fear of being misunderstood. And I bring up weakness, not because I think yeah. it's exactly weakness, but I think there's a theme here of like, right. when I hear threat, defensiveness, I think I have to stop something from happening. I'm also hearing a lack of belief in your ability to manage that situation. Definitely. So much so you have to avoid it. Yeah. Which sounds so similar to me to these guys. If I don't control her, if I don't dominate mm. her, a situation will happen where I don't have control, yeah. it gets out of control and I'm hurt. Yeah. And it sounds, it's like, you know, not the same. You're not talking about controlling them, but you are talking about controlling yourself to limit them from doing certain things that could scare you. Right. Yeah. It's to me, and that's what I mean, where like, I think it does, it's not weak exactly, but it's the Mm -hmm. same patriarchal pattern, I think, of a fear of being truly vulnerable, because if you are, it gets out of control, it gets out of hand, Mm -hmm. bad things will happening, and you'll lose them. Yeah. Like, you're losing them. I will lose them. That's the main fear. Yeah, sure. The losing them is like not only the many miscommunication, I've lost you intellectually, but you could lose them in a bigger way. Yeah. And that's terrifying. Well, yeah, the week actually kind of just fits like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. them talking to me like you were so unevolved in this way or yeah. that you. Absolutely. Yeah. That makes sense. And I think yeah. that's that's why I say weak. We're oh, like, yeah. weak isn't weak isn't just like physical or right. like the strong thing. It's also like, I didn't realize you weren't better. You yeah. Weren't bigger. You weren't yeah. like where you should be yeah. and that you were here. Yeah. And, the and should. Like, I, is yeah, a big it, factor that I have a belief that there are some areas that I'm not where I should be. I don't know what those areas are, but I'm really afraid of revealing them by by not rationalizing all of my emotional responses beforehand and coming to them when I ha- when I have the finished product, which means that I understand where everything came from. I understand what I'm going to do in response. And some of those can even be, uh, oh, I'm underdeveloped in this way. Uh I, that's okay. It's not great, but it's okay for me to realize that if I realize it, it like on my own end, and then I can no figure out how do I want to present that information and have a solution <laughs> to it beforehand. I love it. It's like it's okay if I realize that and can cover it up, hide it, so you don't even fucking know uh-huh. it's there, and I actually don't have to expose it to you and don't have to. I work. don't have to. I can if I can figure out what to do with it. 
Meaning, and when, and I also think I can is mm-hmm. probably still not you really sharing it. It's you sharing a prepackaged versions of it that yep. covers up the parts that might make them go in the direction you fear. Yeah, because those are the parts that I'm most afraid of. <laughs> Meaning you don't actually share it. I share part of it. I share the part that's uh, safest to share. <laughs> Only if I have a solution to it. Exactly. And it's like, it's just like, if quiet. I don't, then I'll just, we'll figure it out on the back end. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you know, working with like patients where like someone's experienced trauma and a lot of traumas, because unfortunately, if you've experienced one, you've often experienced multiple trauma is not random. It's not random who gets sick. Like, unfortunately, mm-hmm. this falls along racist, patriarchal lines. Um, ableist, I want to add more in there. But we run into this pattern of, oh, maybe we'll be doing therapy on one trauma. And halfway mm-hmm. through, we're learning, like, hey, there was a much bigger one I just didn't want to talk about and I'm afraid of. And I'm not getting better right now because all the beliefs tied around that big one are untouched. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then we shift and then suddenly it's huge progress. I think mm-hmm. it's the same thing for you mm-hmm. and for all of us when it comes to these things. It doesn't have to be trauma. I think the same principle operates. If we share a smaller, more packaged, clean part of something that yeah. doesn't threaten us, we prevent learning. Yeah, definitely. And we t- and we actually also practice learning the thing you said. Learn that I have to do this every time yeah. to be safe. And we live our lives that way and never experience what happens if you don't do that. Well, that sucks. Yeah, this is, we're really dipping into it right now. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like this is the, inter- this is such an, I love psychology. I love exposure and thinking about learning. Cause like, yeah, I think this discussion also really highlights for me. Is there a difference? Does it matter? How do you know if this guy is kind of just unevolved? If he is actively intentionally using patriarchal masculinity da 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 and either the day the impact may be the same right. and there's subtle forms of it that don't seem as harmful yeah. so I, I would i would put you here as like you don't have intent um yeah but you are still wedded in some subtle ways yeah uh, that are ultimately hurtful they're not big hurtful but they're hurtful but and breed dissatisfaction yeah for for both parties i've definitely i mean i've seen the harm of this in my relationships where People feel more disconnected, more guarded. That can translate into like, I don't know how you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know what the fuck to do. Yeah. And I think that's interesting because you talked about getting that feedback of someone saying, let me in more. And uh-huh. you respond by telling them more facts. But that's yeah. not true. And that's ex- in. <laughs> God, for 10 fucking years, that's how I've interpreted that. For my first therapist, I was like, all right, so I need to dis- disclose more facts. I really am not interested in recounting the facts of my day. That doesn't feel especially connected to me, but I guess that's what they want, so fuck it. And and it's interesting because, oh, man, I just think about, like, you know, you've been in therapy for a long time. You've thought about this a lot. Think about people. I, I'm thinking about women who are dating men who are asking the same question, and the person's nowhere near where you're at even. Or... Because I think what we're talking about is such a subtle thing. I do yeah. too. Yeah. Um, and I think you know we're pretty smart people. And I think like all that really means is I have a lot of intellectual bullshit I can throw up in front of you yeah, to avoid it can be more effectively. Such a burden. Yeah, it's like I'm not avoiding. Like I'm not because at all. of this. I've really, rationalized the hell out of it. Right. I've just like I've been so affected by my avoidance. I've gaslit myself, Fuck. and you're never gonna find the answer. Oh. And this person's like, just and I, I, I'm thinking about also women who are like really wanting their partner to share, and 
the male partner's doing and it's like, why is this not enough? I'm sure some of that comes yeah. from like, it's hard to hold male pain in this patriarchal culture. I think some of that also comes from, I want you to do something different. I don't know how to put words to what mm-hmm. we're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to say to you, no, like share better, <laughs> like yeah. share the raw thing with me, yeah. but like not so raw that it's like, we can't do anything about it. Uh-huh. Um, or that I'm worried you're going to act in a way that's like harmful to me. But let me in on the unprocessed feeling that we can just sit with together so I can show you I want to sit there with you and I'll keep you safe. So another thing I'm realizing is when I, I am equating raw to a certain level of intensity. Yeah, I, I do too. When I hear raw. Yeah. Like, That's why I brought up the safety piece. Yeah. Where... So, like, what I'm finding myself thinking is like, oh, well, I have to wait for the opportunities to... I mean, there's some truth to that, but... It feels like the only way that I can, uh, whatever, playtest this is by waiting for the most intense thing that's happened in the last, you know, like, I don't know, something that's appropriately intense and then walking into it at that when the stakes are highest instead of doing it in smaller, I don't know, like raw doesn't necessarily mean yeah really intense. And it wouldn't even be helpful, probably. Like, for instance, I mean, that's it, part of it. Yeah, that's. It's a mix. Oh, man, that's so interesting. That's so interesting. So let's break that apart. So for the raw part, I'm totally with you. When I say raw, I do have this implicit intensity piece. Yeah. Though I don't necessarily mean that. What I kind of mean is sharing the emotion as it is and sharing the thoughts as they come. Sure. Without saying those thoughts are my final That's... thought or my full thought. I do this to you all the yeah. time where yeah. like we'll be having a message and uh-huh. I'll be sitting all these thoughts and I'm trying to also say, I don't know if anything's what I truly think. It's more saying I'm sharing with you how my brain is going through this. Yeah. And I kind of just want to like, yeah, mm-hmm, hear Feel that. That's happened to me because yeah. it just helps you move through it knowing that it's not the final word. It doesn't have to be. And what I realize is that backpedaling like that which is it's not even really the right framing but saying you know what i actually don't mean that i think i mean this that's embarrassing to me yeah that's like uh i can't i don't know i can't place exactly like what's embarrassing about it like it makes me think of childhood and just our friend group being just like, what? You thought uh, that? You fucking dummy. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I did. Shit. Right. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think, and this is a guess. I'm not saying this is what you feel. I'm also thinking men always have to be right or they get super insecure mm-hmm. and wonder if it's on that spectrum at all. Yeah. Yeah. Whether that's something that I believe or not, that's something that I see modeled in. And that's important because modeling makes a difference. And again, there's emotional and logical belief. You can logic a way out of how much you feel like you believe that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean your behavior is not in line with it and that you don't have emotional responses that condition you to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so funny because I don't have judgment about myself doing that. Like I get, I get anxious doing it with you sometimes because I think there's been times when we've talked about this where 
you, I think you expressed once, it feels bad if I share all this information. And the next day I'm like, oh, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. You were like, oh, why did I do all that work? And I'm like, oh, you, you didn't have to do all that work. And uh, not even that. Or to me, it was like, oh, it still paid off. Like the mm. work wasn't solving the problem. The work was You got with the me. benefit, but I didn't tell, I couldn't tell that you got the benefit because I've never experienced that kind of benefit before. And you're like, where's the, I didn't solve the problem though. I'm like, yes, you did. The, yeah. There was no problem. I just wanted to feel with you. Mm. And also, it's funny. It's easier for me to jump back and forth like that because I'm someone who's like, as much as I love logic, reason, and stuff like that, I am a deep believer of like, motherfucker, humans are the most emotional, yeah. illogical, We're emotional beings that have logic pasted onto our emotional states. Like, absolutely. And you know, I think that's something I definitely deepened that belief in grad school. But even before that, as a black person, you can't believe even irrational when you grow up in our culture mm-hmm. and see like white teachers saying like we're all equal da, 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 and then do the racist shit you do you mean you're like <laughs> okay we don't believe in the rules here yeah. there's clearly some other shit going on <laughs> um and so like i think for all black people i i'm just gonna speak for my culture and my people for all of us i think like we learn very quickly that yeah. like what people say and the logical structures arguments they put forward are fucking bullshit uh-huh. and often are just justifying how they actually feel about us right. that they show on their faces and then how they behave towards us right. so i don't know i think about like <laughs> being a young person and like uh first kind of moving into white spaces in school and stuff like that and just all the stuff around like like coming home, my teacher said this. My mom's like, "That's bullshit. Yeah. That's not this." <laughs> or like, a kid says this, and then I see them behave in a very different way. Like yeah. I learned it very quickly that like what people say is not how they feel, mm-hmm. and you quickly notice how white people feel. You have to notice it right. you need to keep yourself safe. And you're like, "Don't go to that kid's house. There's some shit mm-hmm. going on. Don't don't do that." <laughs> um, Jesus so. Christ. So I know I I, just, I don't have I have maybe a little shame about that because I also want to be seen as a and this is a product of being uh, in the field I'm in I, I guess like getting the education I've gotten being in the spaces I'm in I've internalized this desire to appeal like the rational scientist yeah um and the rational scientist in me says why do you expect yourself to be rational when that emotional part of your brain is way older and mm-hmm. is way more of a guide for human behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the logical piece is often just pasted on after the fact. Absolutely. And it's How- funny, the logical thing to do is to be emotional. Right. Not always just to give in to emotional, yeah. but to weigh your emotions and understand what's important, because mm-hmm. that's a way older, more fine-tuned system than your mm-hmm. logical brain. Mm-hmm. And your logical brain often is like, honestly, gets delegated to by your emotional brain, where you have an emotional belief, and it's like, hey, logical part, could you just like make an argument? That- I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, got it. Sure. Yeah, we'll patch that right up. Make sure it appeals to everyone else that it's purely logical. Got yep. it. Like, don't put my name on it. Just you sign it. Like, okay, got Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Got it, got it, got it. I've already erased all traces of you. <laughs> exactly. What does this look like when it's done really well? I'm thinking of, like, female-female relationships. Not, like, romantic relationships necessarily, but also maybe. I don't know. What am I thinking? I was going to say, I don't, I don't know about female-female relationships because I'm not in one. Yeah. But also just I, I wonder what they would say about like plenty of women have stories about other women who are competitive, wedded to patriarchs and right. masculinity and use that relationship to position themselves as higher on that hierarchy. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a safe space either. <laughs> like, fuck. Again, they, who they does this well? Who goes through the process of expressing 
raw emotions and processing them with other people. I mean, it sounds like you're saying, what does this look like? What is the good version of all this look like? What is not being wedded to all this look like? Where's the end point? Yeah. It's hard because we're talking a little bit about all the shaping and behaviors you do because you've been conditioned into this culture. Mm. So this just gets to a bigger point about all systems of oppression where it's a mistake to be thinking, are you consciously wedded to this versus mm. you've been swimming in this soup your entire life mm. and you're trying to crawl out of it. Your clothes are soaked through with soup and it's in your skin. <laughs> like you're, always going to be somewhat shaped by it the real work is learning to act opposite to it and learning to have it not or not even opposite to it just learning to not have it determine everything and guide everything Mm -hmm. and like making it just another voice among the chorus of voices in our heads um and deciding what you want to do Mm -hmm. so when i think like not being wedded to it i don't think the fact that we have these thoughts have these behaviors means we're wedded to it Uh. in the same way i think like yeah i've met many people who continue to behave in ways that are racist but i don't see that as irredeemable i see it as like yeah let's not work us on the fact that like you have these conditioned responses just accept that but learn to not let them determine everything and right. act differently sure. that's the goal yeah, i don't really care sense. fully what's in your heart i care about your behavior mm-hmm. that makes sense but what does that look like i don't fucking know i mean i i think like do people feel good after I think there are people, so I think actually, uh, I wish I had the section, but in Bell Hooks's The Will to Change, Men, Masculinity, and Love, she does talk about how older men are the ones who mm. are more easily freed from patriarchal masculinity and start to open themselves up, start to be really loving and open, especially towards children and grandchildren. Yeah. And I think that's the closest thing I can think of, and even towards their partners. Um, the display and, of love is easy, though. Is it? You just described not fully opening yourself up to people you love. The giving <laughs> portion of display like okay so this is the problem that i don't think of displaying love as disclosing myself i think of it as displaying a positive affection and like saying and showing that i care about you that's that's like these toxic men think love is dump trauma dumping and controlling you sorry but i'm right (laughs) that's the difference but i'm right i've solved it yeah (laughs) Yeah, I guess to me, love, like displaying love is a unidirectional thing. Mm-hmm. Displaying love to me is not like you get a little bit of me too. You don't get the like unpleasant emotion parts. I was going to say negative emotion parts. Yeah. Because the negative emotion parts are like, those are harmful. We should just do away with those. You only get the positive aspects of me. And when I feel unpleasant or negative emotions, I'll just do that on my own time. Yeah, that's a problematic way of looking at it. Is it? Especially oh, negative and positive emotions. It's just emotion. It's not negative. Yeah, that's where I started um, to say unpleasant versus yeah. pleasant, because that's really what determines it. It's but, like, is this uncomfortable for me to feel? Eh, then that's not a loving emotion. But it's also problematic because it's just more male provider, male give, 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 like perform. Yeah. It's more male achievement performative. Yeah. 
I'll take care of you, but I don't need taken care of. Right. How? And fuck? also my capacity to do that is my measure as a man yeah. and my worth. Yeah. Versus... And that's part of the embarrassment of needing it myself is like, mm. oh, shit. Where this means you... that I have needs, too. And, and, love... <laughs> and one of the most loving acts is letting someone fulfill your needs. Mm. That's incredible. Oh, how embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. How aversive to and have it's... someone... And it's funny because, like, I think this is super hard to believe. Like, I still struggle with this because, again, going through my own relational challenges. But I bet there's so many people, especially women out there, who are like, do you know how much I am fucking dying to fulfill your fucking needs? Yeah. Like, Well, so that's a thing, too. I, I don't know. I, oh, God, that's awful. Yeah. So the scary immediate second thought is you just said, don't you know how much I've been fucking dying to fulfill your needs? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but that's not a pleasant experience. Like, how could you be dying to fulfill my needs? And then I was like, wait a minute, but that's what I've been saying to other people. Let me fulfill your needs. You don't get to fulfill any of mine. It's not an unpleasant thing for me to fulfill your needs. So I guess it's actually not. No, it kind of. Is it just unpleasant? It's not always. It's mixed. Sometimes I'm overgiving. Mm hmm. But I want to add this. That's how you experience it. Right. I love it. Yeah. I love, first of all, I'm a psychologist. Like, I love yeah. what I do. And, like, we have, all of us have all sorts of shit. Like, you know, like, you could have a savior complex and like that shit, which would yeah. be problematic for some of the reasons, depending on how you're oh, yeah. behaving and what behaviors you're doing. But also, I just think about, like, I love helping people. I love also yeah, like, taking I care really of people. I really do like that. I love making food for people. I love having a partner hang out and being able just to sit down while I do something for them. Like, that feels so fucking good. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, let's just go outside of our experience. Like, if we think of all this as a dimension, there's some people out there who are just like, if I could just fulfill your fucking needs every second of my day, I'd love it. Mm-hmm. That that must exist. Yeah. Um, the and they need their needs fulfilled too, but like, well, and what I realize is, um, I really like that too. Mm-hmm. And I'm really afraid of that, of that getting out of a hand, mm-hmm. which speaks to my lack of boundaries. Mm-hmm. I really like doing that, but I'm like, this has gotten out of, I've, it's pulled more really i've given and been asked of more than i can give and still like take care of myself mm-hmm. only because you wouldn't always have to take care of only yourself if you let them take care of you <laughs> that's why i paused it's like, I like oh, oh shit. sounds like it's an unsustainable model uh it is yep yeah mm-hmm. and it makes me much more cautious when i'm giving too mm-hmm. or afraid Either I'm cautious or I'm afraid because I'm not as practiced with setting the boundaries, which that feels like it's the only that that's the only option. Yeah. To give and then set harsh boundaries versus give and also take. Yeah. Providing for someone else isn't something that I purely am like, I feel good about this because it's also caught up in but not too much. And sometimes it gets out of hand and I don't know how to stop it because I didn't catch it before it got out of hand. And then I have to get better at setting the boundaries, but then like, oh, that's a scary process too. And mm-hmm. it's, just, I don't know, it's tied up in a lot of... It's tied up in a lot of stuff. And it's again tied up, I think, in not seeing another side or not having experience of it. Because yeah. I think you and I would both agree relationships should be interdependent. Of course. You were describing a relationship that is not interdependent. You're Except describing for me. a relationship where you're holding all the grocery uh-huh. bags 
and then the person's saying, and then you're looking at them holding one grocery bag saying, can I take that one? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what you're doing. And then you're like, I got to set boundaries and tell them. I've I can probably take done bag. that too. I've probably, that's a, that's I've a, seen you do that shit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is, I was like, that sounds like, really familiar. Why are you taking oh, this? Oh, can I get that? And if I like have one, you're like, no, no, no. I'm like, can I take it? You're like, no, no, no. And to me, it's like, what you really want is you both carrying the grocery bags and trusting that like maybe one time you have three, I have two and yours gets too heavy. So I take one of yours and now I have three and you have two. And you tolerate that I just helped you and that you let go and that, of, of the burden you feel that someone helped you. Because I'm not good enough. I needed help. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And it's like, no, you just needed help because you're a human being who wants to be in an interdependent relationship. Good. Like, it's also about teams, too. If you're truly mm. a team, yeah. like, you have to trust your teammates and depend on them. Fucking, mm. it's so hard to depend on someone. But you basically have to say, I trust they will take care of this. I'm going to have concerns, doubts, and I'm still going to choose to say they will get it done and tell myself that. Which is hilarious again. because I've played almost entirely independent sports. I was a swimmer when mm-hmm. I only rely on myself. Mm-hmm. I was even in like relays. Mm-hmm. I still only looked at my split. Mm-hmm. It's like we lost. I don't care. We also just always lost. So, <laughs> but yeah, jujitsu is me and the other person. Mm-hmm. I've you know a little bit of baseball, but. I play like I try to be in the most central positions that I can take over for people yeah. with my mm-hmm. gazelle like sprinting. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll play center field so that when you miss the ball, I'll be there to pick up the pieces. Yeah. And it's funny because for me, it's like basketball is the sport that I've played the most and have the most love for. Uh, and I think a lot about how, like, one thing I fucking love about basketball is, one, when everyone's fucking good at their roles, mm-hmm. but most, when we are a seamless team. Mm-hmm. I fucking love, I the love feeling. that feeling. Mm-hmm. Like in Rocket League, when you're just like, when, oh, seeing another teammate, like, mm-hmm. or setting up another teammate for oh, a shot. Yep. Oh, fuck. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah. with your relationship. Like, so I think about how, Basketball is a really good example for me because I think about like as a, when I was a son, when I played basketball, I was a center the entire time. Super tall kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really good at layups, could get rebounds, super tall, super strong. Uh, I was not good at threes. I couldn't do that. But I remember I was always happy when a specific kid was on the field or on the court because I knew if I got that ball, I'll throw mm-hmm. it out to him. He'll sink that shot. Mm-hmm. And I just trusted he could and that mm-hmm. felt so good to be like my job is catch throw to you and i got really yeah. good at then catching rebounding boxing out yeah. uh, faking out where i'm gonna throw it i got excellent in my role and he got more and that excellence in my role gave him more and more space to develop his skill and yeah. also have a more open shot yeah um and we were a well-oiled team that kept getting its job done versus there was another kid on the team who wasn't uh he didn't shoot threes he was the point guard who he was so ego driven and like wanted to do everything himself so he would just fucking drive all the time it was Mm -hmm. so annoying Mm -hmm. where i'm like dude like i can set up a pick i can do all these different things but like fucking like pass the ball to someone <laughs> like you keep missing yeah. and sure we're all like oh you went hard but it's like we're fucking we're down fucking 20 points like, <laughs> you need to, like pass that do a play you're not the center right so yeah yeah not the center of attention i mean right i'm really worried about being the shitty teammate mm-hmm. that's a really shameful role mm-hmm. 
I've been a shitty teammate plenty of times and been like, I am more of a liability on the court than off the court. I'd rather just almost instead of figuring out how to be a better member, I'd rather just separate myself. Sounds like a lot of men. I've done that too. Yeah. I don't like, know where that fits in. I mean, I think that fits in. I in, guess that does fit in. That does fit in. It's the same thing in a relationship. Like, yeah. it sounds like if I'm not confident about being able to be a positive member of the team in all of these aspects, then I'll just I'll see myself out. And it's you know, not of the is, relationship, just of that specific. No, but I think it does apply to a relationship. You don't see yourself out fully, but you see certain parts of yourself yeah. out and don't ever share them in that relationship to keep it going. Mm-hmm. Like I think about, um, not you, but I'm thinking about, this is one of the times I'm most grateful that my dad was a coach and like had that mentality and pushed that on me my entire life mm-hmm. because like fundamentals were super fucking great. I would just fucking shoot free throws and just... God, I used to yeah. do that. Fundamentals were so important. But okay. another thing that was important was the fundamentals of teamwork and encouraging your teammates. Uh, so when I played team-based video games even, like I get really frustrated with my friends who can't tolerate being bad and help working together to become good. Hmm. Like I have two of my friends who I play a lot of fighting games with, uh, I often get frustrated how frustrated they get because it's sort of like, yeah, be mad, but now you're getting in the way of allowing yourself to be bad with us and Mm -hmm. giving you a chance to get good. So I think about we would like do team-based maneuvers and one person would clearly be the person who's struggling the most and they would get so focused on that that they wouldn't like allow us to keep going and allow me to keep setting them up and let them keep trying and let me encourage them. They would be like, oh, I hate that like I'm so bad at this where I'm like, dude, I was bad at it too. I don't have to do your role. I'm doing my role. Let's just keep doing it and you'll get it. And that's what partners are asking from us. They're saying like, show it to me and it can be bad. I'll encourage you and we'll get better together. See, I have incredible resilience for being the loser repeatedly and getting better over time. If it's me versus you and that's it. Like (laughs) think of the fighting game dynamic. Fine. Beat the shit out of me. You know, you win 50 games in a row. Fine. Mm. Um, same with like jujitsu. You just get fucking stomped for at least the first six months. Mm-hmm. Fine with that. I love that. But it's only affecting me when I fail. I then think of five on five based games. Overwatch. So such shameful experiences to me. I'm thinking of when Andy set me up. I was playing the wall gliding guy. And he's like, all right, I'm going to take this guy and smash him against this wall. You get ready to to kill him smash him into the wall and I, I think i just totally misunderstood the assignment so i was like he's like what you didn't do anything and i was like oh now i see what you wanted me to do and i see how profoundly i failed at that and i was like i gotta quit i gotta go i can't do this anymore the shame is too intense and likewise i this is so i i would always play oh god lucio this <laughs> is I'm, Lucia, that's who it was. I, I've, I've never forgotten that. It's still the funniest thing. <laughs> and it's exactly the same. The where I can have the most positive impact without being in the way of everyone. Like I don't like the role of Lucio. I like I hated the character. He runs around the outside. He's got this weak ass gun that like and like occasionally he'll hit something. It's a really weird trajectory. He's not a very like lethal guy, mm-hmm. but it's really easy. He just heals in the area around him. So if you just hang around your team, you're gonna help them and it's a very low skill, low reward if done 
I maybe it can be done really well. I wasn't doing it really well, but I had a positive impact on my team. And I play the same roles in like Heroes of the Storm, mm -hmm. the support character where I can um, I would venture into a little bit more exploratory, a little bit more vulnerable positions where I'm also someone who's setting up plays where Jesse comes in, tongue drags the guy, and then I set up a route right in front of him so that when he tries to run away, uh, the enemy gets stuck there and then we pounce on him and kill him. But that was way more... That was way scarier and mm -hmm. so full of shame when I missed that. And I just immediately, I have such a strong, like, I am not worthy of being here. Mm -hmm. And the more you walk away and the less you try it, the stronger that shame becomes yeah. each time you make that mistake. Yeah. It feels the like there's no, to. yeah. It feels like there's no space for failure. There's not when failure is accompanied by extreme shame and making it this global negative thing and you run away. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and I also think like, just to add more, it's not all on you. I don't think we always create space for it. That's either. what I was just going like, to say. about like League of Legends or Heroes of the Storm is classic. Someone vexed oh, up, yeah. like it's notorious to being a toxic community. Yeah. People will like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? Like blame yes. is the name of the game in these games. Yes. And it's rare. Like, I don't know. I think about how much I like teamwork, but even playing um, Overwatch, which I played a lot with a group of friends. I used to like get on comms and yell at people who were yelling at people because it uh -huh. was like, you suck. I was like, dude, shut up and play. This is not helping. Let's right. say it sucks. Is it helping by you yelling on comms? We yeah. can't communicate with each other and you're making them feel bad. Yeah. Like go home. Like, what are you doing? Turn off your mic. Like yeah. go write in the journal. The fuck are you doing? Right. Like I really hate when people make those toxic spaces because not only is it just pissed me off and I don't like bullies. It also is just like. You are literally getting in the way of the goal we all want, and I just uh -huh. want to punch you in the face. Yeah. Like, we want this kid to be better. Sure. He's not good right now. Sure. Move on. Like, yeah. let's help him get there. How do well, we get there? And that space, that shame-filled space is exactly what I'm what I'm thinking of. Because when I did improve, when I talk about the tongue punching and then the... That was with Jesse, and uh, we had a full team of five. So mm -hmm. we were all on comms. We were all at least um, tangentially French and became friends just by playing together a bunch. But we were all there and humanized mm -hmm. versus the, you know, anonymous, like, oh, you fucking suck. Because like, that's why those League of Legends types games are so terrifying to me. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm totally fine with playing StarCraft when... It's a one-on-one -on -one situation and it's way higher, like acute stress. You can be losing for the same amount of time and it's like, it's much more punishing in some ways, mm -hmm. but I'm like, I'm the only one who loses and I'm far more okay with that. Yeah. And it makes me think of, this is an, an, an early childhood situation where I was like, I really want to learn how to pitch. So fucking stupid. Cause I didn't know how to pitch. And <laughs> why, is that stupid? why was that stupid? Why was that stupid? Stop practicing shaming yourself. <laughs> Well, yeah, it was stupid I because to learn of the something. outcome. I'm fucking stupid. For it was, that. No, yeah, it was stupid because it resulted in so much pain, so much shame. It had nothing to do with me wanting to, you know, me wanting to learn how to pitch was not this was not the like stupid part. Oh, it was okay. like it was so painful. That's why I called it. it I'm not justifying. Sure, I'm just sure, like sure, trying sure. to, yeah. And so nobody taught me how to pitch. They just kind of threw me on the mound during a game. Oh God! I think it's no surprise that it didn't go well. <laughs> I had been practicing with my dad, kinda, but I also just didn't know the mechanics of a pitch. I was just kind of like, I guess I'll just 
throw and kind of do the movement that I see other pitchers doing. I don't know. And I'll do my best to get across the plate. I just, I, it was, I, so many balls. I still remember, and I hit a bunch of people too. I still remember just the dance of like, oh, another walk, another walk, another walk, another walk. And just everybody, like we were behind by like 10 or something by the time we finally made it through that inning because I was just walking people in. Someone would get a hit. They'd advance a bit. I'd walk walk a bunch of people, fill up the bases, and then start walking people into home plate. Awful, 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 awful. Oh, I can feel that shame. Oh my god! And my coach came up and was like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm fine." Yeah. I was like moments away from tears. <gasps> no. Like, you okay? Like, do you want me to take you out? And I was like, "No." <laughs> I don't know why I said no. Because as soon as he walked away, I was like. Wait, take me out. I was just the whole time. I was like, please end my misery. Please just take me out. But I couldn't ask for it. <laughs> and then when he, when he, like, when he came up, I was like, thank God he's going to take me out. And then he's like, do you want to, would you like me to take you out? And I was like, no. No. I want it, but I'm weak. And then after, thank God, they finally got enough hits that, it, that we got the outs, my teammates. Oh my God. They would get a hit, and I was when I was pitching. They're the easy. I was just like, I just want to get it across the plate. So they were slow and right down the middle, so you could just smash them. Man. I think I was like eleven or something when I was doing this too. This was like the early mid, middle early days of kid pitch. So this is like between. Shit. This is like after T ball, after coach pitch, and then you're just starting kid pitch. Uh. Um. So they were getting fat hits. And then my teammates uh, sometimes also kind of sucked. So they would like let a grounder through. I'm like, no, that was our chance. We could have gotten one of the three outs that we need. Fuck. So eventually we get the outs. We all go into the dugout. The coach's son goes, thanks for losing us the game, Gabe. It's just people. I, I I only have that specific memory, but the feeling of it is that that's what everybody said when I walked in. That there was just a collective like, you really fucked this up for everyone. It's yeah. so hard because I'm. Sh- I wouldn't be surprised if some of those kids who were also like missing stuff were like anxious themselves uh, and were like, "Oh, thank God, this is happening in the game, so I don't have to show how bad I am at catching." Yeah, but <laughs> most likely it was that. And then that fucking asshole kid, entitled little piece of oh, shit, just yeah, like introduces the game, Gabe. <laughs> Fuck you, kid. Like mm-hmm. your dad favors you. You got everything you want. God forbid. His dad you know, was definitely you. abusive too. His dad oh, like shit. yelled at him and like, oh no, no. oh he was really oh, mean. No. Of yeah, course. of course. So I was also afraid of his dad, like the head coach. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I was know. like, oh, my God, the repercussions of like, I'm going to yeah. come in here and the, and the coaches are going to be pissed at me, too, for being such a failure. And I think about that, too. Like, yeah, co- yeah. Like my dad, luckily, as a coach, was not that way. And like, I'm thinking of all the coaches I've too. Had. Oh, my dad's terrifying. I love yeah. my dad to death. But like a part of because I was also really bad at basketball. Yeah. But my dad. Well, I think he would just take people out. He wouldn't. Oh, he did. Yeah. And like, I appreciate that. Yeah. He just takes people. Like, he's like a very encouraging person. I got my required two minutes of game time per game. <laughs> 15 minute quarters, I think. Two minutes. That's what I got. Yeah. Like, all right, you're up. I'm like, oh, I'm just, yeah. I was frustrated by that, but I, I mean, got it. I get it. And that was the better. <laughs> no, but I, I hear you Man. with coaches and stuff. I just think about different cultures I've had over the years and like shaming and other tactics they've used. And yeah. like, 
thanks for losing the game, Gabe. Yeah. Which also might be like, I'm getting hit when I go home because yeah. of you. Which is like, buddy, I'm sorry about I'm that. Sorry. I'm processing my own yeah. shit right now. <laughs> like, that's rough. That's not okay. It shouldn't be happening to you. And like, yeah. I'm developing my own fucking traumatic memory from this. Yeah. So, yeah. Really does trauma begets trauma. We're really seeing that here. <laughs> God yeah, damn. I went home. I went home and was devastated. I remember crying on the, um, maybe I wasn't even outwardly crying. I don't know. I remember being kind of confused by my dad coming over and like comforting me. Oof. 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 It ultimately felt good. I was like, okay, mm. yeah, all right. Mm. But I was like, I, I don't know. I can't remember if, I remember being surprised. Yeah, oh man. That's... I remember, I, I, I don't know if it was just kind of like, this is my cross to bear. <laughs> just what i know about you hearing that i'm like look i'm not a psychoanalytic or Freudian therapist but i'm sitting here like Ooh, yeah. like really you didn't expect that it was huh. surprising that he came and comforted yeah. you when you were experiencing this raw painful emotion and having this raw emotional display and what, what did you say you struggle with today <laughs> why is that relevant like, and, well, and what I are your think... expectations <laughs> Where I see this message echoed in a few different contexts in my life is I can see me being like, well, yeah, he was right when he said, you lost us the game. Mm. Like, yeah, he was right. I did. I failed in such a catastrophic way that, yeah, I was definitely responsible for that. So, like, yeah, he deserves to say, I deserve to feel like I feel, and he deserved to say that. And that's just... We're fucked up. Uh, yeah. Because I, I can, like, I can, I know so many messages in my life where I felt the same way. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard to even, and it's to this day I still feel that way. And it's sometimes hard to hold on to the fact that, like, one, even if you could say that, doesn't mean it's helpful. Mm-hmm. Like, something I talk about a lot of times in treatment is like, oh, yeah, this stuck point you have is true. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of mm-hmm. truth here. Is it helpful for you to say this to yourself every second of every day? Is it that feels limit? like the appropriate punishment. Mm, it feels like appropriate punishment. It feels like, yeah. you know, that shithead kid yeah. saying that, like, appropriate, like, whatever. Yes, it's true, and I deserve to hear that. It's also interesting when it's, when, because I, I hear that, I feel the same way, and some of that for me at least is like Catholic schooling. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the other part is like, oh, it's the appropriate punishment in a, like, little league baseball game that has no fucking stakes, <laughs> where no one gets anything except learns to <laughs> These do something are nine year olds. To shame someone for being bad at a thing they're learning. Yeah. It's like, oh, I did poorly on uh, my first edition test. I deserve to be told I was shitty. <laughs> it's like, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? What the or like, fuck are you talking about? <laughs> just like, oh, this baby was learning to walk and fell. It deserves to know it sucks. It's like, shame them. Shame. I think it's trying to, lo- like, I think it just does. I think it, well, like, it only failed itself in that moment. It's not like it was, like, running to first base or something. What if it was running to its parent and the parent wanted to see it walk? Then yeah, absolutely. Shame that baby. <laughs> the parents should shame the fucking baby. <laughs> piece of shit. You can't walk. <laughs> 
Thanks for fucking not walking to me, ruining my video, Gabe. I want to have a cute video of you walking for the first time. It's like, Damn. The disgusting thing is a part of me is like, yeah, it's kind of legit. <laughs> no. they, they just wanted the fucking video. You ruined the shit out of their video. It's like, yeah, man, I guess I did. I guess it, it the linchpin mm-hmm. was I couldn't perform the behavior. Yep. It's totally not that they ruined it by acting in that way and actually ruined the future experiences, or they ruined their enjoyment of it by choosing to focus on you not doing what you wanted to do versus uh, accepting where you are or just enjoying what you did do. No, it's that you ruined it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like that so... It's so fucked up. I identify with it and it's just so deeply fucked up. Oh my god, it's so <sighs> fucked. Ooh, that's funny. That's funny. That's a lot of layers there. Oh, fuck. I think of a shameful experience I have like the There's so many, I've just blocked them out today. Yeah. Thanks for losing us the game, Gabe. It's like, motherfucker. What? I am nine years old. Where are you getting this from, man? Yeah. It's like, you talking to me, you talking to you. What's yeah. up? Like, this doesn't seem like it's really for me. Who is this for? He was pretty good, too, which was the frustrating part. Oh, fucking course. He had to be. His dad would hit him. Mm-hmm. Well, his dad would hit him either way. <clears throat> yeah, but that's how you reason through that stuff when you're a kid. That's true. If I get better, maybe it'll stop. Yeah. It doesn't. Maybe. And then... When it doesn't stop, it's because you weren't good enough. And these are often the stuck points that we deal with in therapy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, maybe that's true to a degree, but then, like, you actually might have to deal with the more difficult truth of nothing you ever are going to do is ever going to make it stop. Yeah. Except yeah. Just growing up and going away. Or them doing something different that you have no control over. Right. Which is a really painful truth I've come to people a lot with. Like, I think of a patient I worked with where unfortunately came from a very like a possibly the most abusive home and only the father doing abuse i've ever heard of and we moved from it's my fault it's my fault to it was your dad mm-hmm. like there was nothing you could have done mm-hmm. and with that came sadness mm-hmm. it was good though because we moved away from shame and guilt that it's my fault to appropriate sadness that mm. you grew up in a context with this monster who you could not have stopped. Yeah. We literally painstakingly talked through all the things they tried. Cause they kept saying I could have something else. And we went through, you were a 10 year old girl <laughs> yeah. and you did this, 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 you did some things I as an adult don't right. know how to do. <laughs> and none of that worked. Police got involved, all oh, this stuff. God. And, and also was at a really fucked up time. Our time's fucked up now, but more fucked up where the man could just explicitly say, oh, my wife's crazy, and they would take her away oh, even as he was Jesus. actively hitting her while they're there. Oh, my um, God. Because they would blame it, being like, oh, she must be doing something that, that you're doing this because you must be right. Yeah, don't ah. underestimate like, how like we think we're in this great age. It's like fucking yesterday we were just explicitly doing these things. We've just made it implicit. It's so Jesus. fucked. Um all these things happen and we like got to the point of like I literally would I've had sessions sometimes where I was saying what else could you have done right. no I'm serious this 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 what else why well, couldn't you do this you did do this you said this and I told in detail mm-hmm. about what they shared with me I'm like you did that could you have done that more effectively what would you have done more effectively and we like worked mm-hmm. through we're like you can't think of anything you mm-hmm. did everything and it's scary to sit with shit I actually was powerless there. yeah like, yep being mm-hmm. powerless and then the like transfer to like also the other emotion was anger where it's like i'm angry at my dad and i was like fuck 
your dad. I've been angry at him since you told me about this piece of shit. <laughs> like, fuck him. That's not my space. I wasn't I didn't, wasn't going to tell you until, like, I, it started out me being like, you know, I have a lot of anger on your behalf. This sounds really frustrating. So later being like, fuck this guy. <laughs> like, I was just furious near the end. And like, and, like, showing that because I'm like, you have a right to be angry. Uh-huh. And sad about yeah. the fact that you had to experience this and not even had to. The fact that you experienced this because someone else wasn't willing to change. Right. And like wasn't wanted to blame everyone else for their behavior. Whew. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Like you don't have to have PTSD to have stuck points. Honestly, that was just as painful re-listening to it as yeah. it was to experience it. it. In some ways worse. That was a doozy. <laughs> some ways worse. I had less control. Okay, we got to actually okay, record. So I actually recorded this. this thing. Okay. <laughs> uh, in some ways, worse because you have less control. So you kind of just have to like wrap it up. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that was like, I don't know. It's always worse to, I mean, I don't know if it's always worse to go back, but I think hearing yourself the first time through is a rough one. Yeah. Um, well, next week we have a similar, also accidental conversation. Mm-hmm. We, we like, I guess we, we were in the spirit of going for the jugular for each other. Yeah. The last few weeks. So we went like. straight for John's shame nads. Yeah. So like, you know, thank you all for listening to Gabe's and like really kind of going through that story with us. Yeah. And next time we're going to talk more about me and like the th- places I struggle and the kind of the places where I think shame keeps me tied in cycles. I'm not happy with. And I think uh, actually cycles that are specifically about toxic masculinity yeah. as well. Yeah. We'll expand on more next Patriarchy time. just like, whoa. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, we used this metaphor earlier of like, uh, you've been swimming it in your whole life. Uh-huh. Like, we're all wet. We're all wet. <laughs> we're all wet, man. And it's fucking frustrating. Some of us notice we're in water and a lot of us don't. A lot of us don't. And then even if you do, it's like you still got to dry off and that's yep. like hard. Gross. All right, we'll tune in next time. Thanks. Percival? Percival, shut it down!